0: the Gobbledy Podcast. I'm Jared Blank. I have a particular, I don't know, be in my bonnet or whatever people say about terribly written software websites. I know that's pretty specific. That's a really specific thing to have like a stick in my butt about, but that's where the stick is. And so I was shocked a little while ago when I kind of randomly tripped across this website for a business called Seller Systems. You can see it at seller-systems.com. They sell courses about how to sell on Amazon, but I was shocked by their homepage. I've looked long, I've looked hard, I've looked long and hard, and I can safely say, honestly, it's the best software homepage I've ever seen. They don't even sell software, but they it's very much a software homepage. And I wrote a piece for the Gobbledy newsletter about it that I'll link to in the show notes, and it might help to read that first. But if there's only one thing to take away from this interview with the company's founder, Brandon Young, It said he calls the homepage a sales page. It's meant to sell. And I've never really heard anyone else say that. And and once you look look at it through that lens, it's clear that everything he's done, getting into the mind of the buyer, highlighting through the copy and the visuals, all the key messages, it's meant to close the sale. And after seeing the site, I really had to know how he did it. So today, I speak with him. Brandon Young, uh, you run Seller Systems. Tell me what Seller Systems
1: is. So Seller Systems is a place where we teach brand owners and entrepreneurs how to sell on Amazon. So what we found is that most people selling on Amazon are really bad at it. It's a very complex uh, platform with algorithms and it's more of a search engine than than just a marketplace. And We, through our own launches and products and brands that we own, which we'll do close to 30 million this year between, you know, our brands, we we've been able to launch, I don't know, 500, 600 products over the last five years. And so learning from all of those successes and all of those failures, we've been able to understand what data to look at, how Amazon's algorithm works. And so that's a really long way of saying that we teach Amazon SEO at a very high level. And so it's for different people. It's for people that are operating brands that sell off of Amazon already that are looking to expand on Amazon or improve their Amazon presence. Or it's for individuals that are looking for uh, to start their own business and uh, create their own brand. And, And Amazon's platform empowers people to do that, a program called FBA. So we teach A to Z from finding potential products, validating them with keyword research, sourcing them, creating, you know, content around them, creating a brand, and then the logistics and supply chain to get them here and then launching them. It's a very complex, multiple degrees type of uh, system. But if you're smart and work hard, the opportunities out of this world, it's it's really there to create a seven, eight figure business.
0: So what I'm fascinated with is I come from the e-commerce side of the world and the e-commerce software side of the world. I use this uh, metaphor uh, a lot, but I feel like Amazon and e-commerce broadly are like the Galapagos, turtles in the Galapagos. Like Amazon is a turtle that grew up on one island, sort of the rest of like the direct selling, direct consumer grew up on a different island. They're related and they go back 100 million years, but they've adapted differently. Are there things that people who are in the D2C world can learn from the Amazon side vice versa? There it's just it's so it's such a a tight ecosystem in the Amazon world and as an outsider it feels impenetrable.
1: It's it's you put it so well that it is so related. They are both very much related. So I, I know a lot of successful D2C sellers who ignored Amazon because they were so good at what they were doing. And they didn't realize how much money they were leaving on the table because the average consumer, even if they're driving profitable traffic with their marketing funnels off of Facebook or social media or wherever they're running their ads to their own website, which is that direct to consumer, people don't trust their website. They don't trust their Shopify store a lot of times. And what they'll do is they'll go search for that brand on Amazon. And so you'll see these branded search terms or these this, this uplift of, of this product category Every single time someone's spending a lot of money somewhere else. And so the way that we like to look at Amazon is that we we have a few rules around it. One is that you can't create demand on Amazon. So we like to play within what is already happening, right? And so what, what we'll do is I'll look at all the search keywords, keywords people are using to search for products. I'll look at the, the, uh, the search volumes of those keywords. And I will choose to whether to do a product based on what is already happening there. But the D2C people uh, are used to trying to create demand on their own. So it's a completely different uh, ecosystem in that and, and mindset in that way. But what we can do is show you, OK, you're already doing well over here. And the iOS update threw a wrench in for a lot of people because it increased the you couldn't retarget effectively. And it's it's increased the cost a lot. But what we'll do is show them. Okay, here's how to do the keyword research and figure out what to sell. Like if you have a hundred SKUs in your own store, your own Shopify store, maybe only three or four of those are good. maybe twenty are good. But which ones should you focus on? And then we can show you how to do that based on the what's already there. And so you're right. it is it's its own ecosystem. It's its own, It's its own environment that already has its rules built in. It already has its algorithms and ranking and SEO and and keywords and research and our keyword search volume. But learning how to navigate, that is a learning curve. But once you do, it's magical. Like you can, you should be taking advantage of both for sure.
0: I know that this is, this feels analogous to Google and SEO where it just seems nebulous on some level and a little scary and impenetrable is Amazon more helpful to
1: sellers than Google is to D 2 C companies? No, but, <laughs> but we've solved it. Google seems almost unsolvable and Google's very much about constantly and Amazon changes their algorithm. They change their rules pretty frequently as well. But, Amazon's performance-based ranking is, is, is solved. Like it's based on a few different factors. It's based on click-through rate, conversion rate, the performance of the, 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 the listing, your revenue, your total revenue. So those three things plus a relevancy score, which is built in as like a quality score. So we understand how you write your listing impacts, whether Amazon will let you show up for a keyword because they don't, they want to know that it's a relevant keyword. But then we also know that everything is relative to the performance of your competition. So we know that if you have a higher click through rate conversion rate and are driving more revenue to your product, that you should rank ahead of your competition uh, competitors that have less. And so we're able to understand how to target multiple keywords, hundreds and hundreds of keywords and how their attribution of credit goes from one keyword to thousands of keywords based on match type and root words and things like that. But yeah, it's it's complicated, but solved, right? And and so it's definitely much better and easier than Google. Google SEO to me seems very nebulous and seems and it's like, well, what are what are the actions happening on my website? How do I measure them against the other people that are trying to to rank for the same key keyword on Google? And then how do I drive that action naturally to make Google rank me higher? It it, it seems a little bit harder to do than you know driving some clicks and some sales and and writing your listing effectively that like you can do on Amazon.
0: Yeah, the the other difference and you can tell me I'm wrong, I'm approaching the limits of my my knowledge of Amazon is the the other factor in Amazon is the reviews and whether other sellers in your category can undermine you through the reviews. Is with Google it's just you against Google and maybe you have no idea what's going on, but it's it's basically the two of you, you know. In Amazon, there is sort of this third party involved, which is other sellers.
1: Competition, right?
0: Competition. Is that, is competition fair? And and obviously, Amazon works and is on the up and up, but I I have heard stories about some ugly competition. Is that just part of the, is that just part of being on Amazon? Are you seeing less of that nowadays, more?
1: Yeah. So competition in... Each category is either stiffer or easier. When someone is first learning how to do Amazon, we usually recommend getting into something where it's a little less dangerous as far as competitors wanting to attack you. I like to say that I have, like I, I teach, I'm the defense against the dark arts with a uh, professor as well, in some ways, because. You have to understand how your competitors might attack you and then how to quickly resolve those issues through what type of case to open, what type of a flat file to use, right? And so if you don't, here's the way it usually works is like if a competitor attacks you and changes something on your listing and it impacts your ranking, if you don't quickly fix it, then they'll see that it's effective and then keep doing it. But if you fix it within a few hours, generally, they'll just realize that you know what you're doing and leave you alone. Also, there are categories where there's a lot of money to be had and a lot of a lot of profits to be made and so tend to attract a lot of those dirty players as well. Amazon's done a pretty good job of trying to catch up and and get rid of those bad players. But it still happens occasionally. You'll still get a negative review left from a competitor or a few. When you first launch, you'll still have some, someone try to contribute to your listing in a negative way to flag, flag it as an adult product or something. Like there are these different attacks that you'll see, but you can quickly get around them and protect your listing in different ways if you know what you're doing for sure, but skincare, cosmetics, makeup, and, and, and supplements, electronics, those are categories I would probably avoid simply because you have a lot of very large sellers with very deep pockets and they are, they are, there's a lot of bad players in those, mm-hmm. in those categories.
0: Yeah. you know, as an old guy, anytime anything new comes along on the internet, the the bad fills those gaps like the mice do in my kitchen, and, and you know it just takes a little while to build systems to prevent that. So I, yeah, I understand that's just that's sort of part of it. So I, I do want to talk about your your website. I, I called it the, the best SaaS homepage I've I've ever seen, despite you not being a, you know a SaaS software company. Tell me, when did you build the site? You know, I think people listening can can go look at it at seller-systems.com and see it for themselves. But at, when did you build it? Let's start then. And how did you approach what you wanted to say?
1: Yeah, so we launched we launched the new version of the site about six months ago, maybe six to nine months ago now. And part of it actually is that we we launched a SaaS with or more recently too. Like, so we have a software for Amazon, uh, for selling on Amazon that helps you with Product research and optimization called Data Dive, and that's a completely different different thing. But our users tend to use it. We we have many large aggregators and man, brand management companies, PPC management companies that are using it. And we just launched that uh, about six months ago. So we figured we needed to do a rebrand to start running ads because I had built up our community to over a thousand members. We have a we have a mastermind where. We have sellers ranging from just starting to seven and eight figure sellers. We have over 307 and eight figures sellers. We have, you know, about 300 newbies and about 300 in the middle, like building their business. And we've done all that without ads. And so we were like, okay, now that we're going to be launching this software company, we're planning like a year out. We're like, okay, we're going to be launching the software company. We're going to want to run ads. We want to build the community. The community is a great funnel into the software. And we. I've always tried to be, be authentic. And so my approach to a, a sales page is we're the real deal. We're really selling on Amazon. We're going to show you what we know, what works and what, what doesn't work based on our knowledge. We're going to bring in experts to supplement that. And we can assure you that because we base all of our decisions based in data, that you have the best chances of success with our uh, teaching and community, right? And we you have the community to lean on and things. And that's what the messaging was on the original site, but it wasn't as pretty highlighted, all those things that you saw that you pointed out. And so we actually hired a branding company who was, was helping us to, to, to really like drive home the messaging. And so when you saw the highlights, when you saw the arrows, when you saw those things that they were pointing to, their, their reaction was similar to yours, which is like, that's a really clear message that we need to make even more clear, right? Like these are things that we need to point out. So it was hiring actually a a branding agency that helped us to to rework the the landing page this the sales page in a way that emphasized the messaging that you pointed out.
0: Yes, I want to come back to how you've selected the the brand agency and what the brief was, but you said something that in all my years of working with software companies, I've never heard anyone say, which is it's a sales page. Their homepage is when you go to so many SaaS company homepages, it's a mishmash of trying to please a huge number of people, right? I've been in those meetings where, understandably, the sales people say, oh, it needs to have this on it. The product marketing people say it has to have this. Everyone has, everyone has a say, and you end up with a very long page that says nothing. <laughs> you, you know, you started by saying it's a sales page, so it has to sell, and it has to get these, I think you said three or four, clear messages across. Did you have to sit? I mean, that's, I I would like to bottle that up and sell it. And that's, this is what you do for a living. So you can help me. I'd like to bottle that up and sell it because ultimately that's where you have to start. You have to say, I need to create a page. That's a landing page that will sell my, the product that I sell and tell, make sure people know these three things. Did did you know those things? Was it part of the process of speaking? It's been our ethos
1: Yeah. It's been our ethos from the beginning, which is, you know, I've, I've always built my community and my brand around, around adding value. And so what I do is quite opposite from what a lot of the people selling courses do, which are, if you have a credit card and you, and a pulse, they want your money. Right. I do more to try to talk people out of starting an Amazon business than I do to talk them into it because it's not right for everyone. And it is complicated. And if you get lost in numbers by looking at a spreadsheet, please don't join my course. Like <laughs> I'm all about data and diving sure. deep into it. So what I always thought about is learning marketing, learning funnels and funnel marketing and learning about how to drive someone down a funnel into an eventual purchase. I'm thinking about disqualifying buyers rather than forcing them to the next section. And so for me, giving away a free masterclass is the equivalence of in a SaaS software of giving someone a free demo, right? So I guess it's a product led uh, marketing uh, in a way. And so what I do is I'll I'll, I'll let them watch this three hour free masterclass where I'll find source and qualify a product and talk about how I look at the keywords, what I'm looking for, and 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 then what my next steps would be if I'm starting my business. That's gonna let someone know what they're about to get into if they wanna start this business. And if it's completely lost on them, If it's something that they realize they don't want to do, then that's great. They don't need to give me a dime, but if it's something they truly want to do, they're very likely at that point to join the full course and the mastermind, and then have the support of the entire mastermind and all of our content and the weekly live calls we do. We do weekly ask me anything to hold their hand and and offer additional support. So, um, Yeah, I think that it's similar to a SaaS in in many ways, right? It's a sales page. (laughs) It, we, we are product led marketing and, and giving them that, that, that trial. And if, if you're ready to move forward, move forward, but please don't sign up. We, you don't want a high churn rate, even in software. I don't want a high churn rate, or I don't want anyone asking for their money back. And I have a very low refund rate and I have a very high success rate because I do a lot of pre-qualifying. So
0: the pre-qualifying bit is really interesting because uh, when you sign with the request a demo for software oftentimes is not it is not a button where you're going to get a demo it means someone's going to call you then they do the qualification it's more because the software companies in general don't want to give you too much information funny enough they think a human should do the qualification what i've tried to what i've tried to suggest to software companies is what can you give people that's valuable and i think the the masterclass idea is it works, A, because there's value in it, but B, as a way to disqualify. If you can't make it through that, right? Like it's, it's enough that you should feel the pain if you're like, oh, no, this isn't like a get rich quick scheme on Amazon. No. This is going to require work. And exactly. I, I, I don't know if you have any ideas about how software companies can think about what can they provide to people that's actually valuable and valuable to the company, which is what you've done here with the masterclass.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's, so first of all, it's internal. I think the, the software company needs to be realistic about who their avatar is and who their ideal customer is, right? And then once they identify that, they should do some kind of either questionnaire. They can automate that process very easily. Do a questionnaire with the person that's on your site. If that person turns out to be an ideal customer, let them sign up for free. The fastest growing and best, like the unicorns that are out there from a software and SaaS perspective, almost all have a free demo. You can sign up for free for Slack. You can sign up sign up for free for so many different platforms and get started and then see how good it is, right? And they walk you through at that point, all automated, right? Like they tell you where to click, how to navigate, what to do, how this is gonna help you. More videos, more support, more automation. And then at the end of that, if someone gets through that, they are far more likely to close and then that's a more effective sales call for sure. I don't even pick up the phone and, and talk to any of my, my people that, that join right they watch a pre-recorded masterclass. they get led to another sales page where they can sign up and then uh, or back to that same sales page where like further down or at the top there's a button to join the inner circle i give them a discount on it and i say look here's your discount for watching this masterclass and proving that you this business is right for you go ahead and uh use that code and save a thousand dollars and so that's, that's effective enough. And so organically I drive six figures in revenue per month simply because of the way I've set it up, which is, which to me is, is successful. I, now I need to learn how to drive ads to it and make it and scale that.
0: <laughs> yeah, good luck. <laughs> so the, uh, well, you, you just said something great, which is that you actually set up the flow specifically to drive revenue. And maybe this is kind of an Amazon world, non-Amazon world thing. I I like that you're not afraid to talk about, I'm doing this to run a business and drive revenue, which weirdly enough, you don't really hear software companies outside of this world talk about. Like they exist and somehow, yes, there's this valuation and, and but it's never about, well, ultimately we're trying to convert people through a flow. And yeah, you know, just course. having that mindset allows you as the company to think about, okay, we can be hard sell, soft sell, free trial, no free trial. There's lots of Both, ways to think about right? it. right? Like Both? you could, <laughs> yeah. But it's so ultimately, I, think, that, I think
1: the reality is like a lot of people who who go out there and they, they, they try to make it all altruistic, like people aren't stupid, right? Like they know that you're doing this to make money and that you're in business, that you're running a real business, right? And so- as long as I'm honest about it and I understand the value I'm providing, and I understand what that's worth. I have no problem asking for it. Right. I already have one of the cheapest courses and and, and masterminds out there. Like with the discount, it's uh, $2,000 for the first year, a thousand dollars per year after that, that's really nothing. If you're running an Amazon business there, my competitors, you know, in contrast are five, 6,000 up to 10,000 or more per year. Right. And so, my point is i can bring them in because i have less touch points i have a higher success rate i have a community i you know and i i try to build it at scale but i i feel like i'm definitely worth at least what i'm charging and i have no problem asking for it and the people have no problem paying for it because they're getting the value on the back end with no problem either and yeah, I think- they see it
0: it's a great lesson, when when I've worked with folks before, the sales team generally in SaaS feels really comfortable with that attitude. I'm going to, I believe we're worth it. I'm going to ask for the sale. I'm going to get it and fight the objections. Weirdly enough, especially I'm on the marketing side, that's for some reason, that's super uncomfortable. I don't know why. I don't know if my mother has something to do with it. <laughs> There's something very uncomfortable about, no, we're worth this and we're going to ask you, we're going to present it in a way that tells you the value and we're going to ask you to pay this amount.
1: Yeah, I think when when what you need to do and the way that I do it is that I put myself in the position of the, the customer, in the avatar seat. And I say, what is the ROI on joining? And what is the ROI on not joining? And then I, I just do that math and I realize quickly that For a couple thousand dollars for that first year, what I'm going to learn is how to better pick products uh, that have a much higher chance of success, how to launch those products to rank for more keywords, how to run my PPC at a much more efficient rate. Any one of those things are going to potentially save or make me tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so, yeah, that like, that's why it's not hard for me. And from a marketing perspective. Who I'm speaking to matters too, right? Am I speaking to someone that's never started an Amazon business that has no idea how to sell on Amazon? Or am I speaking to that brand owner who's already on Shopify? Or am I speaking to someone that's already launched on, on Amazon, six, seven figure seller that uh, wants to take us to the next level, right? Because now what we're doing is we're teaching, and on the later stages, we're teaching how to build a real company. We hired a CEO coach maybe 14, 18 months ago now, and we've spent you know well over six figures with this CEO coach. The reason being is because to drive an Amazon business is far more efficient than driving any other type of business I've ever seen. I've invested in businesses for, you know, 15 years. And I started my Amazon journey six years ago. And what I would see is even in my family business, when we were doing wholesale construction supplies, we had to have a huge warehouse. We had to have truck drivers to deliver pick up supplies, deliver those supplies to whenever we had an order. We had to store, we had to do, we had so much overhead for so little business. Our business was only doing $2 million a year, but I had 12 employees. I can drive a $10 million Amazon business with three or four employees. It's crazy how efficient it is because you're leveraging Amazon's fulfillment center. You're leveraging all of their employees and their last mile, their trucking, right? And so I, but now if I want to go to 50 million, how do I do that? Now you need a real company. You need layers. You need management. You need business management practices. Like and so you implement things like either 40x or scaling up or uh, attraction or something. And and you have to understand how to drive, how to talk to people and manage them and, and hire A players for A seats and drive out your org chart. And so that's what we're teaching now is is for those larger sellers how to scale and become a 50, 100 million dollar. So it, it it goes A to A to Z, right? Yeah. So you. You said that the,
0: the people coming to you are, uh, the, the range of maturity, of business maturity is wide. So when you think about building a website that needs to speak to the needs of all of that, how did you think that through? Because those buyers, you call them avatars, th- those different personas, how, how do you speak to all of them in one place?
1: Yeah, that's the difficult part and as you scroll down you'll see that we try to address it a few different ways where it says if you've whether you've never sold before or whether you're already successful we're going to help you drive, you know, build a build a successful business and we're going to add value. So it becomes increasingly difficult when you have such a wide range, right? The good thing is that there are so few sellers already doing millions of dollars on Amazon <laughs> that it is a really small market. I mean, there's maybe 10, 20,000 whatever it is like, you know, potential an audience size there and so we i know a lot of them from speaking at events from from you know i founded i co-founded a mastermind for seven and eight figure sellers a few years back before i started my own and so i have i know personally over a thousand sellers doing over seven figures a year on amazon and so I know how to speak with them. They know that I know what I'm doing, and I think that that upstream from learn from someone that's really doing it because they want to understand what did I do to get to that next step, right, in my own business, and that that speaks for itself in a lot of ways for those sophisticated sellers.
0: When when you, I want to go back to the the branding agency you worked with. What did the brief look like? How, how did you how how did you tell them what you wanted? Because you ended up with something different than I see elsewhere. So they didn't pull that out of the template. So what did you tell them you wanted?
1: They asked very general questions that I was very specific on, (laughs) answered very specifically. you know, it is like, what is your, what are your products? What are you selling? What is your uh, value proposition? What, you know, what is it about you that makes you different? Like they were very, uh, gen- generic, general generalized questions, but what they were trying to get out of me is, is what you see written down there. Now, what's great is I put a lot of it into bullet form. They preferred that because then they had a copywriter on their team that, that wrote out more, you know, detailed sentences and um, paragraphs for, for what you see.
0: So you this specificity is how you end up with what you want,
1: yeah, for sure. You have to drive out and ask them what is very, very specifically? What is your value proposition? What are you selling or or you know what is the product that you're selling? Who are you selling it to, And why should they sign up, right? And if you can drive that out of the cus out of out of you know the person that's supposed to be creating their own sales page, then you're you're going to be able to create a sales page that makes sense. I I see what you're, the challenge that what you're talking about seeing all the time is that I think a lot of people haven't clearly defined who their customer is. And that's a problem because a lot of people want to say it's, it's this entire bucket of people, but it really, it isn't, it might only be a few drops in that bucket. And uh, you need to, you know, you need to just be realistic about how big your target market really is.
0: It is really uncomfortable for founders to admit or to accept. It's not even admit, there's nothing wrong with it. To accept, I have a, I'm a young company, there might be 50 people for whom this is exactly right. And that's great, right? Like if you can get 40 of those 50, fine, fantastic. You move on to the next thing and you grow it out. There's, you know, that's a whole other thing. But now you've got 80% of your market. But for some reason, I've spoken with, over the past just two months, so many early stage companies where I say, okay, well, who's your target market? And they say, well, anyone selling online or you know, something <laughs> like that. I'm like, Well, I mean, do you have a sales team of 35 million? Because a lot of people sell online, you're never gonna be able to call them all. And I think there's just a, and maybe because you're sort of a founder operator, there's a comfort with it. You said, no, this is, I'm comfortable saying, these are the people who should, for whom I'm making this product, but, and maybe it's because when you raise a hundred million dollars, you don't, you don't have the, you don't have the, uh, the opportunity to, to do that, but yeah, there's got to uh, be some in between. Being,
1: being self-funded probably made us a little bit more lean. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> it, it forced you for to be sure. smart.
0: It forced you to be smart.
1: Yeah. And so I, I think that that's very common with founders where they, you know, I saw it a lot. I ran a, an investment club in, in South Florida called the Micro Venture capital club. And what we did is every single uh, month, we would have a Shark Tank meeting in Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach County. And so I would get all these pitches sent to me. And every uh, many, many times I would say, okay, target market is $40 billion because it's everyone that owns a car or something. And I'm like, no, it isn't. It really isn't. And and they're like, if we can only capture 0.001% of this market, and I'm like... I, I, as someone that would invest in startups and everything, I always hated to see that. And that's kind of what you're facing, I think.
0: Oh, I think if I had one piece of advice for people creating a company or putting together a pitch or a business plan, do not say if we can only get 0.1% of this market, that's just not how it works at all. You should get (laughs) 70% of a tiny market. You should not get 0.01% of earth. (laughs) <laughs> uh, well, that's well, exactly right. Yeah. So, last question that has nothing to do with this. I went to the only Amazon event I've ever been at uh, a couple of years ago out in, out in Brooklyn. And I remember two things about it. One, the amount of food was unbelievable. It, it was put on by some folks from the religious Jewish community, of which I am a bit of a part. And I, it was, I kept telling them, this is the best bar mitzvah I've ever been to. The, <laughs> se- the second thing, it was literally nonstop food from 10 o'clock in the morning until 8 o'clock at night. The second thing I remember Everyone is- Everyone likes to nosh. What do you people want? Like, <laughs> people like to nosh. <laughs> Brandon, you're in. You're in. We've adopted you. Uh, uh, and the second thing I remember is that anyone you talk to about what they do, unlike on the e side of thing, where they'd say, oh, here's my site. Go, here's what I sell. Everyone was like, oh, you know, I do seven figures on Amazon. Oh, what do you sell? And then they'd run off to go get uh, Locus. Like, <laughs> is there just this inherent fear in the Amazon community of they're going
1: to be copied? Is that, is that what was going on? You're the first person that had the chance to ask. So I, I know the event that you're talking about. And so there, it, funny enough, and, and it was true a few years ago, it's not true anymore, but it was true a few years ago that there is one zip code in Brooklyn that represent was the number one zip code in the entire world for revenue on Amazon. Yeah. Right. And so what it was is uh, a lot of them are large, large wholesalers. And so what they do is they bring in all these expensive electronics, TVs, very expensive, big things. And um, they'll do $20 million at 2% margin, right? And uh, and so they they represent, and they don't want anyone to to step on their toes and start selling the same exact t- television brand that they're selling or Got how it. they're managing to get these video game systems or whatever it is they're doing, right? So when you're talking about resellers, they are a lot more protective. Private label sellers tend to be a little bit more open, but it depends on how what their value proposition is with their own products. Because there's a lot of people that sell me too type products. There's people who are vocal or in the public, in the spotlight that might rub people the wrong way. Not everyone likes you. You just have to accept it. So you just don't want to be the target of a, these attacks we were talking about, these black hat yeah. attacks. So a lot of times people will just stay quiet as to what their brand is and what they're doing. There are people that are very open about their brand and use them as case studies when they're teaching and things as well. So, But I'd say the vast majority are, are more private about what they're selling and what their brands are. Brendan Young, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Great to meet you.